The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Listen, the heart of the Father is loving you. The heart of the Father. So yeah, you might think, oh, but you don't know what I've done. I've messed up. I've done this. Listen, the heart of the Father primarily is that He loves you. He cares for you. And He is going to see you through. So I want you to have confidence in that. It's not what I'm speaking about this morning, but I just feel impressed to say it. I want you to have confidence in the fact that God is for you. He is not against you. He is not out there to give you a massive whipping. He is out there to say to you, I'm going to be with you right the way to the end. I'm going to protect you and I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to care for you. And yes, I know you make mistakes, but my heart is for you to raise you up and to make you strong, to see you, enable you to make the changes that are necessary so that you can gain strength and that you can know that I am your heavenly father and I love you. So just receive it. Take that into your spirits for a few moments and believe the goodness of God that is for you because he is not there with a great big stick looking to give everybody a whack. He's there to put his arms around us and to say, hey, come on. We are one family and we want to help you get all the way through to the end. So I want you to be encouraged with that. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the face of God. That was a short message. We can finish there. No. no that's, we're going to look at this new series. We're going to start a new series today. And that's what we're going to be looking at. It's called Jesus, the face of God. And the idea of this series is really just to get this across. And it's a very simple thing, but it's something that I believe will just help to open our minds and our perspectives a little bit. The idea is that we're conveying this truth. Jesus is, Jesus is the visual representation, the physical representation of God the Father here on earth. So God is spirit, you know, God is spirit. And we have a problem with that because we're flesh and we're blood and we like to see things and touch things. So when there's spirit, hang on, this is slightly outside of us. But Jesus came to give us that visual representation of what God is like. Jesus speaking to the disciple Philip said this, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And that's the truth that we're trying to convey through this series. When you look at Jesus, when you see what he does, when you see the way he acts and he behaves, you are looking at God the Father and what he is like. So there's a sense in which, well, what's God like? Listen, look at Jesus, because Jesus is the face of God. That's what we're trying to get across in this series. And as we all know, look, here's another week of change. Another week of change. How many more weeks of change are we going to have? Can we cope with change? I'm getting to the bit, a little bit like that about change. It's like I've got change overload. 
You know, it's, it just sort of comes upon us. In these times, we want to be strengthened and encouraged that there is a God, that He cares for us, that He loves us, that He puts His arms around us. And when we're trying to think, well, what is He really like? I, you know, I hear these metaphors and these words and these, these ways of understanding it. I look at Jesus and I see what God's like. That's what this is all about. So let's just start off with a bit of theological understanding. That just makes us look and sound like we're doing everything proper. First of all, point one, the view from heaven. God is Trinity. The view from heaven, God is Trinity. God is Trinity, and that is a Trinity in perfect unity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is how one of the creeds describes the Trinity. One God, but three co-eternal, consubstantial persons. See, like I say that and it makes me look good. I've actually struggled in just being able to pronounce it, but let's uh, try and understand it. The, and the word consubstantial comes from the Latin consubstantialis, denoting the identity of substance or essence in spite of dis- difference in aspect. And I'm now going to translate that into English, okay? Putting it in plain English that we can understand, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all of the same substance. They're all God. They're all God, and yet despite that, or being God, they appear in three different persons. Now in truth, the doctrine of the, of the Trinity is in one sense easy to understand. Okay, one God, three persons, fine, let's move on. But actually when you stop and you want to dig into it, then you realize this is actually a bit of a mystery here. How does this happen? So we have an understanding and yet at the same time we probably find that it's difficult to comprehend. The idea that we have one God who is of one essence and who appears as three different people is a bit of a challenge. Now, to help us understand that, some people have given this description, and they say, well, look, let's just think that the Trinity is like water. They're all of one substance, water, so we're just looking at water, and yet water can appear in three different forms. It can appear as frozen, as ice, it can appear as water, and it can appear as steam. And that gives us that sort of, oh, okay, one substance but three different things. But of course, we're talking about water here, and God is greater than water, and this is more infinite and wonderful than water. But the Bible does teach this, nevertheless, this concept of Trinity. And here's just a few scriptures which may help us with that. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, where Moses is speaking, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord, is one. So it's defined that God is one being. But then if we were to go to, and I'm going to read two scriptures here, Genesis 1 verses 1 to 3 and John 1 verses 1 to 3. Genesis 1, right at the beginning of the Bible, we read this, in the beginning, God, this one person, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, I'm just reading to you from the very beginning of the Bible. And so we start off by saying, here is God. So this is one God. And yet then, as we go, and I'm going to unpack this just a little bit, that there, in the midst of this nothingness, there the Spirit of God was hovering over the deep. There's God, God the Father, the Spirit is there. And God said, let there be light, 
and we're seeing that the word of God is being spoken. Now, if we go to 1 John, sorry, John 1, verses 1 to 3, we get some understanding of this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. In other words, when God says, let there be light, this is the word of God, this is Jesus that is causing creation to come to pass. Now, I did say this is the view in heaven. In heaven, there is complete understanding of this. On earth... There is somewhat of a mystery, somewhat of confusion even about this. But we understand that in heaven, God is one one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that's in heaven, and that's just our little bit of theology as we start off. Let's come down to earth and see the problem that Jesus was facing as he was ministering to people and seeking to show them who God was. So the view on earth, the second point, the view on earth. And at this point, I want to take you back to the time of Jesus in Israel. The Israelites had had a whole long period of quietness, 400 years, something around 400 years. The prophets like Isaiah, like Jeremiah, like Daniel and Ezekiel had all been out there and they'd all been giving their words to the nation. But now this is like 400 years ago. God seemingly hasn't spoken. But we know from what the prophets had said, Israel is expecting the Messiah, this anointed one of God who is to come. This one who is to do to bring help to the people of Israel. And they are looking and waiting and hoping and searching for this Messiah. These prophets have brought to them little pieces of information. For instance, that he's going to be born of a virgin. That's Isaiah tells us that. And also Isaiah says that he's going to be of the tribe of Judah. They've got these little, little pieces. And although this comes from Matthew, it says in Matthew uh, that he was going to be known as a Nazarene. And it says in Matthew that this was said through the prophets, even though that's not quoted in the Old Testament. But there's these things. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to come from the tribe of Judah. He's going to be known as a Nazarene. These things are known, but where is this Messiah? And what does he look like? And how are we going to get to understand him and know him? These are the questions that people had. And now Jesus comes. And Jesus is professing these things through his actions, not necessarily saying the words. Because in fact, it's only the woman at the well in Samaria that he actually told her that I am the Messiah. The one who's looking at you is he, is what he said there. But what they did see in this Jesus was a man who was doing amazing signs and miracles. They could see through his work. They understood that he was a man full of grace and mercy, a man who preached truth, a man who preached that they should repent because the kingdom of heaven was at near. This is what they were encountering. In Mark chapter 5, we're just reading there the story of Jesus. He's gone and he's delivered the man who's filled with demons. And they've gone into the pigs. And then he's moved on from there. And he's come to a town. And suddenly Jairus is coming him. This synagogue ruler is saying, please come. Because my daughter is sick. And on the way there, he's caught with another lady who's got an issue of blood. And he heals her. And she's set free. And now he's moving on to Jairus' house. And on the way, forget it. Your daughter is dead. That's the moment. And Jesus says to Jairus, hey, no, no, no. Just believe. Just have faith. 
and he moves on, and they come to Jairus' house, and Jesus raises his daughter from the dead. This is the moment we just come into. I want to read to Mark 6, the first three verses. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that he has been given? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? And of course, the miracles, even other ones, but the ones I've just spoken of would be being spoken of. This is what we've heard has just been happening. Have you heard about Jairus and his daughter? Have you heard these stories? This is being spoken of in this area where Jesus is on this morning. What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, uh, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And you know what? I have some sympathy with these people because, you see, they've got Jesus and he's doing these amazing things. And yet they know, hang on, this is the guy who lives down the road. We know his mom and dad. We know his sisters. We know his brother. We, we, we know this family. We know what Jesus does. We know he's been living there for quite some time. We know this family. So how come they're doing these things? And there is confusion in the town about what's going on. And I can understand that to some degree. Who is this man? Where does he come from? And you know, that question was being felt worked through by his own disciples as well. Look at Jesus talking to his disciples. John 14, I'm going to read from. John 14, the first four verses. Jesus is suddenly saying to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place I'm going. Now, this is what Jesus is just saying. Imagine if you're one of the disciples. Well, here, here's the example of Thomas. Thomas speaks up, who's in the crowd listening, or listening to Jesus. And Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? What's going on? I don't understand what you're saying. Jesus answered him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. That should be enough for you, Thomas. But then Philip speaks up as we go on in this passage. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Let's get to the bottom of this. Show us God, and that will be enough for us. We want to see who God is. And you can see how these disciples are struggling, just as the people in the previous chapter I was reading, are struggling to understand who is this man, Jesus. Here's Jesus' reply to what Philip had said. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? 
don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Anyone, says Jesus, who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, as I've said, we may find the Trinity a little difficult to get hold of, but in heaven it's fully understood and it's fully operational. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here on earth, people are struggling to work out the mystery. But they're not just struggling to work out that mystery, they're really struggling with this question. Who is Jesus? Can he be God? I think that's the question, in one sense, that Philip was wrestling with. He says, Lord, show us the Father, that will be enough. Jesus replies, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Here's a question. Are you wanting to know what God is like? Are you wanting to look upon God himself? Well, quite simply, you need to look at the life of Jesus. What you see Jesus doing, those are the things that God is doing. How you see Jesus reacting and acting and his emotions, how you see all of those things happening, that's what God is doing. That's how God is reacting. So as we take a look at Jesus... We can be encouraged because as we look at him, this is what God is like. Because Jesus and the Father are one. The Apostle John records Jesus as saying this. John 10 verse 30. I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. This is really clear, straight to the point. I and the Father are one. What Jesus is in effect saying is that I... Am God. That's what he's saying because he's lightening himself to the Father. Now it's interesting in that particular passage, John 10, this is the actual scene, if you like, into which Jesus is saying. He's just said that to a group, or he is saying that to a group of Jews who've gathered around him in Solomon's colonnade just outside the temple in Jerusalem. Let me read that to you. John 10, verse starting at verse 24. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. Jump into verse 27. My sheep hear, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Verse 30, the Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. So you see, when Jesus is saying, I and the Father are one, The people are, hang on a second, this guy is saying he's God. But we can't compute that. That doesn't make sense to us. And the people in his own town are thinking, hang on a second, this doesn't make sense to us. We know his mum and dad. 
We know the jobs he does. We know his brothers and sisters. This doesn't make sense to us. Let me ask you, are you having a problem trying to understand who God is? We could even ask, why didn't Jesus go around saying, I am the Messiah? What Jesus went around doing was showing what God is like so that we can get on board with that. Now, there was trouble with that being received in his day. There's trouble with that being received even in our day. But it's up to us to look at Jesus. When we look at Jesus, we are looking at God. I and the Father are one. For many in Jesus' time, they didn't understand this throughout his life. But you know what? When Jesus died, there was for some, that was the moment. Wow. Mark 15 verse 39 says this, When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, This man truly was the Son of God. So for some it wasn't until he died. Jesus was one with the Father. He was God. And so when we look at Jesus and the things that he did, the way that he lived, the teaching that he brought, all of that shows to us exactly what God is like. Now, the Apostle Paul really helps us with a very simple description, which we read in Colossians 1 verse 15, where he says this, Christ, Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. When we look at Jesus, we are looking at God. As we see what Jesus did, we are seeing the things that God likes to do. The Apostle John again writes something to help us. John 1 verse 18, he says this, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. What we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, and I want to encourage you with this, is quite simply this. If you want to know what God is like, go and take a close look at Jesus. Because I, said Jesus, and the Father are one. So I want to encourage you to do that. Over this next week, and as you listen to these next few messages being preached, just get yourself in that place and say, like, look at Jesus. Look at how he behaved. Look at what he did. Look at his whole attitude towards others. Look at his openness, his willingness. And you start to see this is the heart of the Father. This is the heart of God towards us, that he is willing and he wants to help us and he wants to encourage us. Amen. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.